morning to Numbers chapter 21, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. And on the note of supper clubs, those that went our last supper club, we had such a wonderful time. I mean, we just got caught up in talking about the Lord and the supernatural that we forgot to tell you, our supper club's over. So that was it. We've got a new one started, and uh, regretfully, we had to tell some of our friends, look, we, we need to make space for new couples, and Kelly and I have lowered our supper club. It's supposed to be eight. It was 42 last time. We've lowered it to eight, and so we're going to start it. Those of you that signed up will be contacting you via phone and email to enjoy. Uh, can't, we look forward to getting to know you and, um, and eat. Where's Grief and Katrina? Where'd they go? Are they up there preparing? They didn't tell you about the bingo. Bingo. We're staying. I'm winning today. I'm winning the bingo today. Y'all stand with us. Numbers chapter 21. Numbers 21. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. And guys running the camera, whoever didn't bring their Bibles, just scan them and then put it on the internet. Just the whole, their whole body just standing there with nothing in hands. All right, to the scripture. And they, the people of God, journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. Mark that in your Bible. The soul of the people, God's people, the delivered people, the rescued people, the elect, they were discouraged because of the way. And then the people spoke against God and against Moses. Wherefore you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. There is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth us like bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit them. And much of Israel died. Remember we talked about the chastening of the Lord? And much of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away these judgments, these serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I've got a lot of, of notes here today, but I'm, not, I'm saying this for myself. I, I'm, I'm not going to bind myself to the notes. I, I want to communicate to you this morning and identify with you on one of the most consistent, debilitating things that a believer faces. And if you do not learn how to navigate, if you're taking notes, right, navigate, not eradicate, navigate discouragement. Well, we as believers shouldn't be discouraged. Well, the truth of the matter is, the Bible said in this world, our spirit man groans, it longs, it, it's not at home here. We don't fit here. We're aliens here. Uh, 
Our soul longs for heaven. We long to have Jesus enthroned, not just in our heart, but in the world. And when you, as a believer, have an expectation. The Bible says we have an earnest expectation of how things are supposed to be. And in this world, they're not. And you can line up six and seven scriptures. You can find uh, three people to agree with you in prayer. The truth is, the kingdom of God does not come in his fullness until the king comes. And you've got to learn to recognize discouragement. You've got to learn to uh, apply truth and knowledge to it. There, there are times where you just write it out. And there's other times where you stand firm against the attack of the enemy. But the Bible says that the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. That word discouraged means this, having lost confidence or enthusiasm. Having lost confidence or enthusiasm, disheartened. And the verb of discouraged is to prevent something by creating difficult, difficulties. To persuade someone against an action. Discouragement is present because the world is cursed. We are not cursed, but we live in a cursed world. And the devil uses uh, many, many strategies and tactics. But he, one of his favorite tools is discouragement. Because in discouragement, he might get you to do something you would never do in rebellion. If, if I lose hope, if I lose a, long, a longing, a belief of the best, enthusiasm, if I lose heart. The devil, the Bible says, Paul tells us not to be ignorant of his tactics. We know what he's doing because he knows if we lose heart, I'll say it again, we might do things we would never do through rebellion. We might quit. We might turn around. We might go back. We might compromise. We might uh, denounce him. And discouragement is a tool. So if I'm going to live in this world, I'm not saying discouragement is greater than me, but it abideth. It abideth. It's something you're going to deal with in your home, in your body, in your mind, in your resources, in your children. I ain't had one amen and I'm just all over it this morning. Not one. You are going to battle it daily. You're going to battle it seasonally. And we do not eradicate discouragement through faith. We overcome it. It abideth. But we abideth more. You can navigate. Very quickly, mild discouragement occurs when minor problems or pressures affect our feelings and emotions. Strong discouragement occurs when you face major problems or pressures that affect your mind and outlook. Disabling discouragement, depression, happens when we experience overwhelming pressure or problems which can drain us of spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical strength. And then there's despondency, which the twin brother of despondency is fear. When this happens, our heart melts within us and we have no desire, no energy or ability to go on. We expect the worst. When we're discouraged, we expect the worst and we fear what is to come. Discouragement is real. Discouragement is common. It is unavoidable. It is natural. And it can destroy you. Discouragement comes in many forms, but it is used by the devil to cause us to separate, to, to bring distance between us and God. Because in that distance, 
anything can happen. So wherever you find yourself on the scale today, we're going to look through the Word of God and find out we are not alone. It's the common lot of the believer. Now, saying that discouragement is prevalent in this world is not an out for us to live hopeless and helpless. But we have within us the Spirit of God, the knowledge of His Word, and the tools necessary to navigate the greatest of discouragements in this world with the knowledge that this is not our home. This is not it. And as the spider secretes an oily substance and is able to navigate through the web uh, 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 that would entangle all of its other enemies, you are able, like the spider, to walk through and over things that kill other people. So if you're discouraged this morning, prepare to be encouraged because the, word, the Lord has a word for you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, I just humble myself before you and I pray today that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit, that you would bring to my memory the things that I've studied and that you've shown me and bring to my mind the things that I don't yet know, that I might deliver truth, revelational truth, and give us wisdom, grace for help in time of need, O oh Lord, that we might face discouragement down, look, at, look it in the face and say, I know my Redeemer liveth. May that victory, O oh Lord, be ours. May that perspective be ours. May that confession be ours, and may that outcome be ours. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And surely, we who are believers are greater than discouragement. In Jesus' name I pray, God. Amen. Number one, the reality of discouragement. It said the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. For us, the way is not just a pathway, it's a person. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and life. So if I'm following Jesus, I'm following a path. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. The first thing you need to know is one of the reasons we stay discouraged is because he has taken us his way, not our way. <laughs> That's discouraging. That's not what... I want to do, my flesh wants to do, my immaturity wants to do, my carnality wants to do, my rebellious nature. If he leads, it brings discouragement to our old man, our flesh man. The flesh warreth against the spirit. Here's an example of discouragement, the direction of the way. It said in Exodus 13, when God led the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he did not go through the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Have you ever felt like the Lord told you he was going to take you one place? He told him, he said, I'm going to take you out of Egypt into the promised land. Okay? The, straight, the, the, uh, the quickest distance between A and B is what? Straight line. God doesn't do straight lines. I get to say, he just doesn't. We get discouraged because of the direction of the way. He tells us, I have this provision for you. I have this miracle for you. I have this open door for you. And he walks you towards a wilderness, no open door, and opposition. Lord, which way are we going? Promised land. Which way is the promised land? That way. Which way are we going? This way. Listen, y'all may think, that I've lived this. I can preach this with no notes. It's when you're going the opposite way 
we get discouraged because we want God to just make it happen. And what we don't understand, it's the things along the way that change us, that make us, that grow us, that transforms us. It's not arriving, it's the journey. And it's a, it's the direction of the way looks like we're going backwards. You say you'd provide, I, I lost. You, you said you're going to give me joy and I'm in sorrow. And we missed this understanding. Here's a biblical pattern. It's not a formula, it's a pattern. There are Egypts, which of course the original type is one of salvation. But there are Egypts where there is not enough. Then there's the wilderness where it's just enough to get to the promised land where there's more than enough. And I have found that there are almost always a wilderness between where I was and where I'm going. So if God's taking you the long way, you're in good company because he took the people out of the land of Egypt but did not go through the land of the Philistines, although that was near detours. God ordained detours. We're discouraged because of the hardness of the way. Think of the wilderness journey of the believer in this life. These are just random thoughts from your crazy preacher. You'll see little things on television. They'll say, the beauty of the desert. And I'm steady watching this show. You got your dirt. You got your mo dirt. You got a bush that looks like every living animal within a 20-mile radius is using it for a uh, uh, toilet. The bush is all withered up and got one little flower that's like, help. It's right there. They said, the beauty of the desert. Might I submit to you that my deserts are not pretty. They are dry. They are arid. They are barren. They are dirty. They are uncomfortable. And it's not what I feel God has promised. So we have to learn how to navigate wildernesses and understand that they are not the address. They are the thoroughfare that God uses to take us into his promises. The hardness of the way. The cost of the way. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few find it. See, to walk with Jesus in this lifetime is not a broad path. Oh, he will lead us into broad pastures. But in this world, it's narrow, and I can't get through the door with all those people. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? I can't, I can't get through the door with all these other side things. I, I, I'm going to have to lose things, lose dreams, lose people. Lose friends. To walk through the narrow places, there is loss. And the devil has systematically orchestrated around some of your losses to see if he can discourage you enough in the loss to quit. To quit. One of my, I don't want to say favorite verses, but enlightening verses in the Bible. It says that, and Jacob buried Rachel on the way to Ephrata. Jacob loved Rachel, loved her. He worked seven years for the opportunity to marry her. Now there's pretty, and there's real pretty, and then there's 
Rachel pretty. Do you know what I'm saying? When you're going to work seven years, no pay, just for the opportunity to ask your daughter hand in marriage. You know she was fine. She was fine. Had to be. Y'all just staring at me this morning. This is the, it's in the Bible. He worked seven years, no pay. Wedding night, you know, and you can do your own study. You know, they got these. <laughs> no, they don't have street lights and there's no lamps. And he goes into the betrothal uh, honeymoon suite kind of thing. This is horrible. It's horrible. And he wakes up. It ain't Rachel. It's ugly Leah. That's in the book. How would you not know? Anyway, hold it. I read it and I go, now that's a discouraged man right there. I'm thinking, <laughs> you would come outside and, you know, she's got this beautiful voice. Oh, sing something, please. Sing something, quick. He goes to Laban. He goes, Leah. He goes, oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you. Sounds like the world does it. Oh, I forgot to tell you that it's our custom to give the oldest daughter first. You got to work seven more years for her. Deal. You just take Lee and cut your losses, I think, after seven years. No. Seven. Seven more years. Now listen, I've used humor because I don't have the vocabulary to articulate what must have happened in this man's soul. Fourteen years he worked for her. And the Bible said, and it seemed like a few days. These things were written aforetime for our learning so that we might apply them to our lives and find perspective and clarity. And just tucked away in the Bible, oh, the riches and the depths of God's Word. They're not, it's not just on the surface. You've got to dig and see the heavenly truths that are right below. It said that on the way to Ephrata, fruitfulness, he buried the irreplaceable one. What do you do on your way to fruitfulness when they can't go with you or they die or you lose that dream or that church or that, or that opportunity or, or all that you work for? If you can't navigate discouragement, you can fade away into anonymity or turn back around or shake your fist at God and walk off. Every Believer loses things and people. And it's hard to explain, but you know when it's you because that void haunts you and reminds you of something you once had and now for the cause of Christ on the way to fruitfulness. I can't do that anymore or I can't be that anymore. We get discouraged because of the length of the way. I know I'm not old, old, but I'm 55. I'm on the last lap. If you do 25 years at a time up to 100, I'm close to the, you know, third turn. And I see saints out here that have, would you just do this for me? I, I didn't plan on this. If you've walked with the Lord 50 years, just slip your hand up, hold it up. Y'all give them a hand, would you? This is a long haul. 
I think more about heaven today than I ever have in my life. The older you get, you have more people on that side than you have on this one. And you just walk and you walk and you walk and you walk and you hear about Beulah land and you hear about the promised land where there's no sorrow, no crying, no pain. And you, you, your body starts to fail. Your eyes start to fail. You know your eyes are failing when you ask the person across from you at the table to hold a menu. You go, yeah, I had that right there. That's what I want to Everything's falling apart. And it's just such a long journey. I think that's what this was. It just kept going on and on and on. And for the believer, perseverance is critical. And God will never give you perseverance. There are things God will never do for you. He will never give you a work ethic. He will never make you be generous. And he will never persevere for you. You have to keep walking one foot in front of the other. And if you walk... And if you overcome, to you will be granted to eat of the tree of life. Discouraged because of the length of the way, the pace of the way. Is anybody else wired like me? Can't we just get this thing moving? I'm not impatient. I just like efficiency. I mean, you go to Burger King, I take the Whopper. They change these pictures. It don't even look like the Whopper no more. I don't know which one. To... Just punch the Whopper. You know, just it's a picture of a whopper. Punch the whopper. And I remember not too long ago, the Lord, don't you love it when he preaches to you what you've told somebody else? And you see something real clearly and you go, oh, I better not preach that so strong next time. I was in line at Kroger. By the way, don't go to Kroger unless you got plenty of time. Plenty of time. So I was in line at Kroger and, uh, oh, it was, it was horrible. I mean, how hard is scanning? You know what I'm saying? And it just took forever. And I was like flustered. And I told myself, I said, I'm not impatient. It's the inefficiency of this is the problem. This is, this is the, I just want us to be efficient. Clear as a bell, the Lord spoke to my heart and said, he said, it's not impatience. You're right. I'm like, That's what I felt in my heart. It wasn't audible. He said, you're not impatient. You're filled with pride. And I remember asking out loud, I said, Lord, he said, you are not upset that the line is not moving fast. You are upset that the, the line that John Wood is in is not moving fast. Don't amen that. That's, that was, hey, no. <laughs> Lord, can't we get to happy? That barren mother that goes to those uh, uh, showers for other pregnant mothers and she laughs with them and cries all the way home. Can't we get to pregnant? Can't we get to my marriage being healed? Can't we get to my body working? Can't we get to the place where my daughter comes home? My son denounces that lifestyle. Can't we just get to the place and the pace of the way will discourage you because we hurt and long so bad for things that we can't, we can't understand that anything could be more important than the fulfilling of that desire or the alleviation of that pain. It's the pace of the way. The absence of control along the way. That would, that's the big one. Because if I could just take the wheel for just a little bit, I, I could get us there. Anybody else? One, one of my little things. 
this is one of my little things. You can judge me if you want to. Is um, I, I, if I'm riding with you, I'm driving. I'm sorry. I just I said, "I drive." Now I do get car sick. That's the truth. Had a man tell me one time, he said, a preacher picked me up, and I said, preacher, can I drive? I get car sick. That's in your mind. I said, well, it's going to be in your floor if I don't drive. That's what I told him. So he gave me the keys. But the other part is, you're crazy. You'd be driving and putting on makeup and answering the phone and texting and playing Candy Crush and everything else. I, uh-uh. If I'm going out, I'm not going out with you driving. I'm being serious. It's like the controller. I know that if I like to make my own mess. And in the life of following the Lord, we hate the idea that he's not even asking us which exit we want to get off at. God is my co-pilot. He's the pilot. He owns the plane. He don't even ask your opinion. The lack of control of the way. We get discouraged because of the comrades of the way. We get discouraged because of the provision of the way. And I want to touch on this very quickly. The Lord is rich towards us, but He gives basics primarily in this world. Sufficient basics. Manna, water, substance. And by this, I'm not meaning that the God is not generous towards us. What I'm saying is the things that our flesh craves, he doesn't satisfy those. Let me give you one example. Okay, God's designed us, designed us, male and female. Regardless of how you identify yourself, he's designed us, male and female. And the natural desire, men for women, women for men. You take the act of sex between a husband and a wife, the intimacy, the, uh, the natural feelings of excitement and... Uh, all that accompanies that. Let's say that's a C chord. So the man that is flirting with the secretary at work, it's not his wife, and they have an affair. That's a G chord. The problem with living righteously is you can't ever get the C chord to sound like the G chord. And God will not satisfy our cravings for the G chord. God will not grant any request, even innocent ones, if they will lead us into error or distance from Him, He knows all things. He keeps even good things from us. He provides what we need. And He knows that if we have more than that, some of us, He's kept us from certain opportunities because He's honoring the prayer of our first years where we said, whatever you do, O Lord, don't take your hand from me. Don't let me come out of your courts. And He's answering those prayers. Manna. What is it? That's what manna means. It's falling from the sky. It's angel's food. Wonderful. Bread tastes like, a little bit like honey, like a little wafer. Great. After about day three, I'm thinking whopper or chicken. And they kept pressing for meat so much that the Lord said, you want meat and rain the quail upon them till it, it made them sick to their stomach. See, God will answer some prayers to the leanness of our soul. But we get discouraged because, here it is, everybody around us can play the G chord, the C chord, or any chord they choose any time they choose. And we have a limited table, but it's divine. And it leads us, it 
that what we do without today leads us to the banqueting table tomorrow where they will not be welcome. We get discouraged because of uh, the lack of information along the way and the chastisement of the way. God sent these snakes and judged them for their murmuring and complaining. Number two. It's what you have to be careful of if you're discouraged today. These people murmured and complained and accused. Murmured, complained, and accused. They questioned God's motive. See, you can get so discouraged that you'll say something like this. You just brought me out here to die. A foolish statement. An ignorant statement. But when you feel that discouraged, you come to false conclusions. They questioned God's motive. They questioned God's direction. They questioned God's care. They questioned God's control. They questioned God's provision. They questioned God's faithfulness and ability to finish the work he began in them. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to die? Which means, who are you? What are you thinking? How inept are you? And you've got to be careful. It's okay to navigate discouragement, but if it takes root and you see anything in your mind or your mouth that accuses God, then you have to, you have to take and uproot all of that and say, I spoke as a fool, oh God. Another byproduct of discouragement is forgetfulness. We, you should have just left us in Egypt. You ever felt like that in your Christian life? I was better off before. I've, I've felt that way. And there's no way to continue in that forgetfulness unless you do a brain wipe. So I miss the party days. I miss my high school buddies and my fraternity and parties. It was so lighthearted. And I miss. And we forget the shame, the bondage. We forget our friends that died and have died because of those choices. We forget the depression and the discouragement. We forget the wasted years of our early 20s. We forget, like the Israelites, they forgot the bondage, the slavery, the chains, the being beaten with whips, the command to make uh, bricks with no straw. They forget all of that. And one of the evidences that discouragement has taken over is when you forget what God has saved you out of. Discouraged with where you are today, but where were you? And I'm, I'm not too impressed with people that talk about what all they left and they just this long litany of what all they gave up to follow the Lord. I gave up disease and alcoholism and depression and unfaithfulness and adultery and I gave up, you know, losing my job every six months because I hung over. And you hear all this stuff they gave up. We forget about the bondage. And we forget the freedom that we have to voluntarily walk this narrow pathway which leads to life. They forgot the answer to prayer of God's delivering them from the slavery. They forgot the many miracles that were part of their great deliverance. Have you forgotten, not that he saved you, but how he saved you? Those of us that are discouraged today, when's the last time you rehearsed? Your rescue from your old life. 
with all of your old friends and everyone else chasing behind you and there's nowhere to go and God opens a sea of impossibility and gives you dry land and you walk completely out of all that owned you before. Cloud by day, fire by night, manna falling from heaven. Our salvation, the rehearsing of your salvation is one of the greatest things that deters and opposes discouragement. Another byproduct is fatalism. God brought us out here to die. And discouraged people revisit former lust. And the Bible says we're all enticed and drawn away by our own lust. Everyone has their own lust. Moses goes up into the mount of God to get the Ten Commandments. And when he comes back down on one of the journeys, they have taken off all their earrings, all of the gold that they took from the Egyptians. They have melted it down and made this calf. And Moses is associate pastor. And all the people are naked dancing around the calf. You know, somebody's getting fired today. Somebody. But just imagine this. He comes down, he throws the commandments down. What are you doing? But the type is here. Do you see it? When I'm discouraged, I'll go back to what I knew. And that's how they worshipped in Egypt. That There were prostitutes at the doors of the temple. Nakedness was nothing. You had sex with the priest or the priestess right there. Uh, there was liberality and there was dancing and there was the satisfying of the G chord, not the C chord, you see? And discouraged people will go back to what is familiar, back to what is easy, and, will, and they'll go back to whatever can mask the pain. And it looks different for different people, but this was what they knew. Golden calf in Egypt, golden calf in the wilderness. You've got to understand for some of us today that the devil is using the natural discouragement of a believer to woo you back, to pull you back into what God so gloriously delivered you from. Finally, on the byproduct of discouragement, it leads to God's chastisement. So God heard the cynicism. He heard the accusation. He saw the attitude. And he commanded snakes to be sent among the people to bite them. Fiery serpents. They were called that for two reasons. The, the way they looked looked like fire was going through their skin. But when they bit you, it would become fully inflamed. You couldn't touch it. It was like fire under your skin. So now look for the type here. God's saying, you thought discouragement was uncomfortable. I'm going to judge you for letting discouragement do the opposite of what it's supposed to do. Now wait with me. What do you mean, John? Discouragement in this world is supposed to wean you off of this world. Discouragement in people is supposed to wean you off of the need of people's approval, opinion, help, Egypt's help. Discouragement in our health, discouragement in our body. And of course the Lord is our healer, but it's to, to wean us off of everything having to work 
and putting our eyes upon the day when we get our glorified body and we'll never be sick another day in our life. Discouragement is supposed to make your worship more pure because the outer man is broken instead of making him angry and shaking his fist at God. power of discouragement is it can purify your worship it can increase your intimacy it can break the old man it can wean you off of this world and it can bring a dimension and level of spiritual maturity to your life that nothing else can it allows here it is discouragement allows the opportunity for God's strength to be made perfect in your weakness you can be discouraged and worshipful now, John, are you talking about a passivity where you just say, Kesara, whatever it be? No, no, no. It's like this. I believe in the promises of God that they are yes and amen. I believe that my God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask or think. I believe that my God, the eyes, his eyes run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. I believe that the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him to deliver them. I believe that the righteous cry in the Lord hears us and delivers us out of all of our troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. I believe. I believe. Ben, if you come. I believe. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, I will not let the devil use these Feelings to change my DNA. Now, I want to take just a moment, a quick moment here, but you really got, I want you to really grasp this. I'm telling myself to make, to make this just clear for us. My problem is not that I don't believe. My problem is that I do believe. Discouragement comes... When my expectation is not met. I expect God to kick open every door that he's promised me. I expect God to smite my enemies on the mouth. I expect God to silence every voice that comes up against me. I expect God to provide for all. You didn't hear me. All of my needs. According to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I expect the blessing of God to fall upon me and I, being the spiritual type of the natural people of Israel, I expect to be the head and not the tail. I expect for my basket to be full, my cup to run over. I expect goodness and mercy to follow me all the days of my life. But in the meantime, in the wilderness between where I was and where I'm going, I will not let my feelings, natural feelings, override what I know many a day what you need to know is this is your pastor's number one battle I just I'm not a pessimist I'm an optimist and I live discouraged because I'm trying to fit all of what is promised in heaven into this cursed world and listen, I've tasted of the Lord's goodness. I have had samples. I have entered into days and seasons that were so bright that I could, I could hardly look upon God's goodness to me. I am today the richest man I know. I want to look you in the face. 
I know no man I would swap my life with. And I still battle discouragement. Now, it can be evil because you think you deserve better. Or it can just be something we have to learn to deal with. And I think it's a little both. Use your discouragement to fan the flame of longing for heaven and to make your way home. Many people die in discouragement. They accuse God, look at you, brought me out here and made a fool of me. Look at us, lost our home, lost our car, wife sick, wasn't sick before I started following you. And they wither away and die. But God is so gracious He'll, ta- he'll send a snake to bite you, to wake you up. And when that poison starts to run through your body and you realize something's wrong with me, something's wrong with me, my words, my actions, something's wrong, I can tell, I can tell. And God said, Moses, here's what you do. Go make a serpent of brass and I put it upon a pole and set it up and whoever looks at it will be healed. What that is, it's a picture. The serpent was cursed. Christ became a curse for us. So you can imagine a snake and you run a cross through it. The symbol of medicine and healing. So here's a type of Jesus up on the hill. And it said, and everyone that looked lived. All of the poison reversed itself, left their body. They still had the scar but they had no more of the poison. Here's what I want to tell you this morning. Your pastor's answer, and you can disagree. I'm I'm preaching his word and my experience of me fleshing out his word. There are pockets of my life that have consistent discouragement. But the truest part of who I am is being made stronger every day. (laughs) My outer man's perishing, but my inner man is growing day by day by day. So Pastor John, put it in a nutshell for us. How do you overcome discouragement? You put your eyes on Jesus. And the Bible says that whoever looked, whether they had just gotten bitten or were taking their last breath, picture the granddaddy that the poison has now reached his lungs and his heart and his neck has frozen and he's drawing his last. And he looked out the corner of his eye through the window and saw that brass symbol of Jesus and he was healed. This is what I submit to you today. If looking at a brass serpent healed everyone, what would looking into the face of God do? The Christ. The Christ. So, we talk about giving things to the Lord. We're going to just pray a simple prayer in just a moment. No one's going to embarrass you. But I I can't do a service like this without making you separated. Pastor, whatever, however, I I am discouraged today. But this ain't going to kill me. I got perspective. I know that God is for me. And I will not let discouragement cause me to sit down, turn turn around, or go back. Not going to do it. I will overcome. I will navigate. If that's you, just come on, stand at the front, and we're going to pray together.
This look to Jesus cured everyone. This look cured everyone at every stage, every time. One look, one faith-filled look. And I speak this over you. Hey, buddy. I speak this over you as my friend and my brother and my sister. God has sufficient grace for you. His grace is sufficient for you. He is not eradicating your discouragement. He's giving you the capacity to navigate it and overcome it. Overcome it. Outlive it. Overcome it. So, Pastor, are you saying I can be discouraged and still worship? Yes. That's the point. I can't help what happens to me. I can't even help how I feel. But I can help what I believe and what I say. And I believe that if God be for me, who and what can ever be against me? What? My expectation will be of God, not of evil. My expectation will be of good. Glory to the Lord. Those in the sanctuary, would you stand with us? I want to talk to you just one more minute and I'll let you go. Here's what David said. David said, I'd almost fainted, which means he was without strength. He said, not, I'm going to go find a place to lay down. He said, I almost fainted. Fainting means I have used up all of my resources. I don't have the capacity to go forward. And he said, but I believed, there it is. I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's what I look, that's what I believe for. Discouragement. I wish I was, I just wish I was smarter and I could explain it better. It is wonderful not to have it. But it is God honoring when you have it and you worship anyway. It's just last thing, and I promise I'll let you go. You know, Jacob, I told you, lost Rachel, had all the trouble with his sons, had a hard life. The Bible says that there was a time and place that said, and Jacob worshiped leaning upon the top of his staff. In their day, on the staff, they would write, the birth of my first child. The, he wrote Leah on there. You know, hey, got Leah. Hey, great day. Leah and Rachel and babies and loss, the bearing of Rachel. Look, and he got to the end of his life. And if you looked at that staff, you could say sorrow, disappointment, discouragement. And he looked at his whole life and he said, with everything that's happened and everything that didn't happen, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. In your mouth. You got this because God's got you. If you're discouraged, be discouraged and worship and be grateful and be thankful and bless the Lord. Do all of the above. And I have found, I have found that discouragement. Yes.
Amen. 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 She was sharing how she's been debilitated for 10 months, but the Lord just healed her. And so wherever you are, praise the Lord. So wherever you are, how dark the black drop, whatever people are saying, the issue is not are you discouraged. The issue is are you filled with faith? And this is the victory that overcomes everything in the world, your faith. So here's what it looks like. I know I told you, I'm, I'm stopping, I'm trying. So here's what it looks like. All kinds of discouragement, and you're just walking through it. Sometimes it's like this, you're just walking through it. This is just walking through it. Bless the Lord. Father, you're just so good to us. You are just so good to us. And I thank you that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and there is a day coming very soon when we will break out of the curse of this world. We are individuals not under, but this world. And you're going to come and rule in the millennial reign and there's going to be joy unspeakable and full of glory. And the former things will be passed away and you're going to make all things new. Blessed be your great name. Devil, deal the next card. There's nothing you can do to stop God's plan and intentions and purposes in our life. Discourage us if you will, but we win because Christ is King. In Jesus' name, have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless.